You're listening to Episcopal Youth Ministry in ATL. Welcome back to another episode of Episcopal Youth Ministry in ATL. We're not in ATL. We're in Philly, Forma 19. Having a good time. Wait one second. Where we're are we? Indy. Indy. Sorry. What did I say? You said Philly. Philly. We're in the north. <laughs> <laughs> And those of us who are really in the north think this is south. Really? Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> when I moved to Georgia, I kept saying, like, you should come on down to the people who were in Florida. And they're like, you mean come on up. Ooh. See, I haven't had breakfast yet, so my geometry is not there. You mean geography? 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 Yeah, This dude. man needs coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're out. You're I'm out right out. now. Yeah. People are like, who's this guy? Um it's because we've had we've done five of these. Yeah, but I'm very excited about this one. We have Bronwyn on the episode. Um, thank you for coming on. You're welcome. Tell people a little bit about who you are, what you do, how you got to what you do, um, and stuff like that. I'm happy to. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm Bronwyn Clark Scove. I actually live and work from Minnesota and have all of my adult life. But for the past ten years, I have had the privilege of serving on the presiding bishop staff. Um, as the director for the Department of Formation and specifically carrying the youth ministry portfolio. But the formation department currently uh, seeks to serve folks who are working with 16 through 30-year-olds and um, some direct services to young adults and youth ministers, but primarily looking to help the, uh, the church embrace these sorts of ministries as essential ministries at the global, diocesan, provincial, and local levels. Uh, So I came to this role having served as a youth minister in a parish in Minnesota for 14 years and some other blended ministries in rural and southern Minnesota. I served five years on the bishop staff in Minnesota and at the uh, during that tenure I served as the province six youth ministry coordinator. That was one of the models for our denominational or churchwide organization of youth ministries and when my predecessor Betsy Boyd discerned that it was time to go do something else somewhere else There was a um, recruitment and discernment and search process, and I miraculously got the call uh, to show up and do this work. So I began uh, at the July 1st before the general convention that happened in Anaheim uh, in 2009. So I have had the privilege of helping organize three Episcopal youth events. That is a triennial thing that happens once every three years. Uh, and have been to as many general conventions as well. So those are the the primary big picture, high visibility things about the work of my office, and then a whole lot more. Yeah. Was that um? That's you did Minnesota, Philadelphia, and then Oklahoma City. Correct. Or, In yeah. terms of the Episcopal Youth but, events yeah, that I helped to organize, yes. Yeah. And not me alone. That's well, a huge team that you. does that work. But <laughs> but my office has to make sure that it gets done. Yeah. 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 Yep. I made it to Oklahoma City. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. They did an amazing job of hosting us. And since the Minnesota EYE, um, EYE has always moved around to, to different places. There, It has, in its history, sometimes landed in the same place for two consecutive EYEs as, as uh, we considered whether or not it would be better to always come back to the same place. And uh, we gave that serious consideration and upon evaluation uh, concluded that we really needed to move the event, um, continue to allow the church to host the event in different places, and then 
with Minnesota started saying, okay, local diocese, whoever is hosting, what do you have to teach the church about youth ministry? How can we partner with you in more significant ways so it's not simply um, a tourist stop? Yeah. For EYE so that we can actually learn about what is the Episcopal Church like here. Because that's one of the amazing benefits of convening an EYE is that young people get to see the church from vastly different angles from what their local context yeah. and perspective is. Yeah, I remember my – so I went to Berea in 2005. Five. I was there too. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like I just dated myself again. Wait, um, were you at Berea, Kentucky? Yeah. Were you I was ever, there too. What? I was running the information desk at that one as a volunteer. Oh. I probably needed a lot of information because I was dumb. Um, I learned wow. a lot of things at that EYE, too. <laughs> uh, but then, so like, so at Berea, and then at coming, going back at uh, for Oklahoma City and just seeing the changes, and I remember talking to my wife about that, um, just the changes between the two experiences um, and the experience, like the experiences that we did at Oklahoma City, um, the opportunities that we had at Oklahoma City uh, were just were, and not that one was good or one was bad, but just we were just very different. Um, and it was it was I mean, both experiences were awesome and life changing for uh, for me. Um, I think I'm always going to be partial to Berea just because I was actually 15 or right. 16 or something like that. Actually 15, as opposed to pretend 15. <laughs> I did a lot of that when I was 14. Was pretending to be 15. Yeah. Um, so then what do you think it is about EYE that makes it so important to the national church? Is so it we're community? not a national church. We're a global church. <laughs> global church. Yeah, yes. because we have dioceses all over the globe and specifically uh, dioceses in Central America and South America and the Caribbean, um, in Europe and uh and in Asia as well. Taiwan. Do you get people from EYE coming? Yes, or we do. Coming to EYE. It's from a there? it is a global gathering okay. of folks at EYE. That has because EYE has so far always been hosted in the United States. Um, there have been some accessibility issues for some of our non-U.S. members of the Episcopal Church acquiring um, and affording travel into the U.S., whether it be visas or access of airlines and so forth. Um, so that's always been an issue. Um, and we do need to be very sensitive to language needs yes. because our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters, our Haitian Creole-speaking brothers and sisters, uh, have ev- they are just as much an Episcopalian as me, who is a monolingual white woman from the upper Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the beauty of the Episcopal Youth event, is that when we are Episcopalians in a local context, especially if it is not a big urban context, we typically only see people in the Episcopal Church who look and sound and behave just like us. And when you get to the Episcopal Youth event, the planning team has always, since EYE started in 1982, has always been an intentionally diverse group of humans who are planning the event. And therefore, the flavor of the event takes on aspects of expressions of being Episcopalian from around the globe. And so it's mind-blowing for some young people to come into that space. The opening Eucharist is always this wow moment, even if it's not a technically sophisticated or complicated liturgy, just the fact that you see this mass of people gathered who don't all look like, sound like, or behave like the Episcopalians in the pews of your home parish. So young people typically get 
more exposure to differences when they go to a diocesan-sponsored event, to their camp. Yeah, that's the first step out of the, the local ministry context. And then in some provinces, which is a regional organization of the Episcopal Church, there are active events that happen, provincial youth events and so forth. Not as many, because our funding has not um, been at a capacity since 2009 to do as much of that as we used to, which makes EYE more important because there is less um, opportunity to gather at the provincial level. I think right now, Province 4, which is southeastern um, United States, is the only one that is regularly gathering young people around the province, and they're open to welcoming other folks from other provinces to their events. I know some uh, Mm -hmm. folks came from Province 5 to the most recent event. so it's that sort of networking, but over from Berea in yeah. 2005 to EYE in Oklahoma City over a year ago, we have re- reduced the event from being a week long to being five days long. We have taken a lot of the entertainment factor out of the event in order to distill it into more of a it is possible to teach to help teach young people how they might live out their baptismal vows as faithful Christians within the Episcopal Church. And it's not to say that the previous EYEs weren't excellent. They were. But culture changes. And if the church doesn't pay attention to what cultural changes are and what the needs are, um, we're going to become irrelevant really quickly. And so some of the adaptivity and the changes and the condensing um, of EYE are very specific to trying to not be a one-off event that is only for the participants that are there. The, um, the hope is, is that when you come to EYE, you A, learn something new, B, meet somebody, and C, hopefully feel moved to do a new thing and know how to do it because you learned it at EYE, or if you forgot, know who you can contact to come and help. So that, I hope, is some of what you saw as changes from Berea to Oklahoma with all kinds of other stuff happening in between. Yeah, I think I think for me, like Berea, I think there was a, there was exposure. So, like, I had never done a Taze service. Right. Um, I had never – I think we, we had a, um, uh, a hip-hop Eucharist yes. at one point. Um, I can't even remember. So long ago. Um, but I think there was like exposure to things, and yeah. I wouldn't. But there wasn't necessarily the. So speaking of mountaintops from earlier today, um, there was never really a com- communication of like, all right, so how do you bring this back home? Um, and I think with uh, just watching the youth um, and hearing hearing at least our youth from the Diocese of Atlanta uh, talk at Oklahoma, there was this concentrated effort. For them to not only have have this experience and um, to to be witnesses, uh, but then also then to do the second part of being a witness besides just seeing things is then to like tell their friends back home or to um, take some of the things that they learned or were exposed to um, back to their uh, parishes. And I think that that was um, like I said, it was very different feel. Right. Well, and yeah. we've got social media now. Yes. And we know how we can stay in touch with one another. So when we all went to Berea and then we went home, it's like, oh, who was that? How do I find them? What was that person? And and we had to manage those connections very differently. So now we do, you know, we live stream 
things that happen at the Episcopal Youth Event. There are camps that are in process during EYE who they say, well, we're going to do opening worship with, we're going to live stream Bishop Curry into our mess hall, you know, at camp yeah. or whatever. And um, and there, and EYE, each, each one has its own uh, Facebook group and people stay in touch. So that's another advantage that we're trying to exercise, which makes it more fiscally responsible to do a slightly downsized, shorter event using the gifts of the people that show up and fostering the connectivity and nurturing the network in the aftermath of the event. So EYE isn't the only thing going on. No. I mean, we talk about... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even though it takes enough work to... Right. Probably. But, um, I mean, we talk about formation formula. We talk about Uncharted. What are some other things going on that maybe need a, a light shine on it? So I'm going to pick up the thread where I talked about access issues. And um, one of the things that the Department of Faith Formation, which includes the Youth Ministries Office, which is where I have primary responsibility, uh, the Young Adult Campus Ministries Office, um, Shannon Kelly has primary responsibility for that office. Um, she hosts an event annually that is either tied to general convention, is it an independent event, or upcoming this summer. It's called Uncharted. It's taking place in Boston. Um, in fact, just to plug it, their uh, registration is open now, and uh, they're <coughs> partnering with the Lutherans this year. So we, we do a lot in those areas, and we are really trying to stay focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion by way of saying diversity, we try to imagine that in every way possible and try to remember that we can't, we can no longer allow the dominant culture to just rule. And so we're looking at racial, ethnic, cultural, geographic, theological, economic, LGBTQ, and gender fluid diversity across leadership and inclusion Um, with everything that we do and access is really key so back in the day if you didn't have a diocesan youth minister then it would be really difficult to get to EYE because Mm -hmm. it's a diocesan registration process so that was an access issue that wasn't the fault of anyone so please don't you know I'm, I'm channeling my Brene right now you know no guilt or shame here it just was right But now, because of the internet, everybody knows or can know about EYE, but what about the young person from the Dominican Republic who needs a visa to come into the United States? The other thing that's interesting about access issues is culturally in the United States, we think of youth as being 12 to 18-ish, right, middle school through high school. We think of young adults as being 18 to 30-ish depending on whether or not you've graduated from high school. And then there's um, ministry with young adults on or off campuses, okay? In our dioceses that are in the seven country, well, six countries, seven dioceses of um, Latin America, South America, Central America is the geographic region with some of the Caribbean. We're calling that area Latin America because that's what they asked us. Um, to call them when we started working with these dioceses. There are seven dioceses that constitute Province 9 of the Episcopal Church. They don't have those same divisions of youth. That's not their definition, jovenes. Um, 16 to 26 
is a more accurate characterization. And so we often, for an EYE registration, we're being asked for exceptions to what our guidelines were about who is eligible to participate. So we have been dreaming for the last almost four years, probably longer. I'm sure this dream predates me. But we finally got some traction over the last two general conventions through some intentional granting and um, partnering with members of executive council and the youth ministry council and the department of formation on the presiding bishop staff and have finally won funding to offer the first um, EYE-like event in Province 9 for people who are in that ministry context. So in July... In Panama City, Panama, partnering with our Anglican partners of IARCA, and I know you're going to ask me what that is, and I cannot for the life of me bring that acronym into my name, but it is the the Anglican province of mostly Central America, except not Honduras, because Honduras is still one of our dioceses. So it's IARCA, Mexico, Brazil, and the Episcopal Church who are partnering together with the Episcopal Church as the major partner to pull off Evento de Jovenes Episcopales. So we will always now talk about this event happening in, with, for, and by Latin Americans 16 through 26, hopefully from now and in the future with Anglican partners who have similar ministry contexts. Um, And that will always be Eje, E-J-E, but in Spanish, it's a hey a a hey, and that will be for 16 to 26 in that part of the world. And then EYE will still happen in the United States. All of our seven dioceses of Province Nine still invited, welcome, represented in planning. But EYE will remain for high school students. Yeah. Our hope is that both of these things will continue to have their own overlapping lives and could spin off other things and maybe. Um, help provinces step up and do some more at the provincial or regional level in some way, shape, or form. So what? How? what is the process then for, like, say, a youth wants to go to EYE? Um, how do they go from in their house to than actually being there. So right now, the Episcopal Youth event is still a diocesan registration process, which means that each diocese has to identify a registrar. So even in a diocese where there is not any paid youth ministry or a budget and infrastructure, so I'll use one from my own province, North Dakota, um, does not have a full or part-time paid youth ministry person. The bishop will still appoint a registrar for us, And if that diocese um, is not capable of pulling together a delegation, we, my office, the youth ministry office, will help them identify a neighboring diocese who would be willing to help bring folks from that diocese. So, for instance, in um, in Berea in 2005, Minnesota brought a North Dakota young person along with them. She was registered through North Dakota and their registrar, but we then hooked her up with the delegation that was coming from Minnesota because that was a natural um, and convenient partnership. We still do that today. So that was in 2005. We still do that today with some folks. So they do, a young person can find out about EYE just because they're on Twitter You know, they might see an announcement about it. But then, so shift to a highly resourced diocese, Easton, 
you have a registration process, and then Easton has to discern. Because my guess is you have more people that want to go than the number of slots that we offer a diocese. Uh, yeah, for a well-resourced diocese, where we're at with it right now is building momentum around the program again, because mm-hmm. I don't think it was there for quite some time. But mm. So some success that we had, and we have two sponsoring parishes in Wallace and Matt that were a part of this process, but... I reached out to rectors, I reached out to youth ministers, because I, even though we have a large youth budget, I said, look, if you want to pick a youth to go from your church, then you can sponsor a youth in their participation. And so that was, I mean, we had 12 or 14 youth that were selected in that way. And the diversity, we I talked about that with youth ministers, and like, right. we're really, we, we want this to be a, well, a well-represented group from the Diocese of Atlanta, and I think we succeeded in that. But we selected... Uh, between six or seven and that was discerning with youth ministers and different people on who else we wanted to represent the Diocese of Atlanta. Right so our event is very different from um, say the Lutheran gathering that happens that's thousands tens of thousands of people that go the way they register is they open up registration they have a convention center they've got hotels booked and it's all on and it's the total responsibility of the local chaperones from a local congregation to shepherd those young people in and through that process. The difference of EYE is it's a little it's a smaller scale, although EYE is having its own growing pains. We're finding that we have now we are too big for most college campuses and not yet large enough to occupy a convention center and, and big hotel contracts. So we're really looking at that right now, but as of right now, we haven't discerned a new way. But that discernment, thank for thank you for using that word, Easton. EYE isn't for everybody. Um, Not every teenager is ready to have the responsibility of that kind of travel and managing their own time and schedule. And when you are from a diocese that doesn't have regular diocesan programming, you may have young people who the chaperones that are traveling with them have never met them before. So there are all kinds of interesting um, opportunities for mentoring and shepherding young people through a potentially mind-blowing event. And we have a pastoral care team on site with EYE working with the dorm crew and so forth to try and help reinforce whatever the needs are of the adults that are traveling with young people. And we're hoping that that's helping teach each of these dioceses how you might do this at home especially if you're not already doing these kinds of gatherings at home. Not every diocese has happening or Teens Encounter Christ. Not every diocese has a diocesan camp. Um, you know, some places the only thing their diocese does is an acolyte training at the cathedral once a year. Um, it's all over the map from very under-resourced, underfunded, isolated ministry context to dioceses that are big, loud, and proud, and they all know each other. Uh, But going to EYE is not an entitlement. It is absolutely a privilege. We look to help raise up leaders. That's where our primary focus is. It isn't really a y'all come. Well, that's funny because uh, I I wanted to add in there that to eat to me EYE is for young leaders of the Episcopal yes. Church. I mean that I would say that the that our youth that participated in EYE 17 were absolutely the ones that were stepping up doing unique things in their churches and they took energy back in a unique way to start further conversations yeah, with was, their adults. As you were, like when you were talking about it, I was thinking about the kids who we brought and I was reminded of the ones who so there were some who were like very involved in their parish, and maybe we we didn't see them on a 
Dawson level at that point, right? Um, but then there was, and then there was a contingency of kids who we saw um, at every single diocesan event, and they were um, like, I can say this because my youth was was one of them. Like, right. like was there, was was up front doing her thing like all the time, and that was great too. Um, but it was really interesting to see the kids who, especially the ones who were in high, who were still going to be in high school that that next year, the ones who came and who then said, "Oh, I need to." I'm I'm going to now put some of the the leadership skills or the um, I'm going to put something else into what I'm doing um, here either at my church or in my region or in in the on the diocesan level. So like I think there was a there's one youth that um, he like decided that he was going to be on the diocesan youth uh, commission. I think that's the commission. Diocesan youth commission. Um, and we had never seen him before until we like well, until we had a meeting before the um, before EYE. But then all of a sudden, like, he was there, and now, you know, now he's doing things, and the leadership abounds from him, you know. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think you have a, a really interesting perspective of youth ministry because you see it on all levels. From I do get a pretty amazing yeah, view. from global down. Um, intergalactic, I don't know. <laughs> I like that. That's the next frontier. So, you know, I wonder for you, what do you think youth ministry is, is heading towards? What do you think it's going to look like? In the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, like where, where are we headed? What can a youth leader who may be listening to this at some random church in a random place, what should they have on their mind? That's a really global galactic question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, youth ministry is not a unique thing in terms of our responsibility as baptized human beings. Right, Because every time we renew our baptismal vows, when another human is being baptized, initiated into Christ's family, uh, we say things, we make promises about how we're going to help them grow into their faith. And so if youth ministry cannot, should not be about entertaining and making church fun for kids... And I'm using that that combination of words very intentionally. I'm not saying that church should be doom and gloom and miserable and boring either. But the church should not apologize for calling people into discomfort in order to do justice, to have mercy, and to walk in love, right? And right now, we have a presiding bishop who did an amazing podcast with you all. I listened to that one a couple times before I came in to this invitation. Uh, We do need to teach them about the way of love. When you treat youth ministry as a dumbed-down version of what it means to be a disciple, you've lowered the bar, and teenagers are going to meet the bar. So I invite everyone, youth ministers and parishes where they see young people in their midst, to keep the bar high and to shepherd these people along. At a, um, a continuing at a long time ago, and this is, the, this is like the coming back around moment, when I was a brand new youth minister starting on this path in 1990. Three, I think, I don't remember which year it was, but we talked about it at the opening here at the Forma Conference. There was a conference here put on by the cathedral called Chaos to Creativity. Um, 
Jerome Berryman was here, we were learning about godly play and J2A before those curricula were fully fleshed out and published. We were um, invited in to give feedback and so forth. Well, chaos to creativity now circle back to 25-ish years or more later. We're here at Forma, and people are taking youth ministry seriously, and we're not playing games with kids anymore, hoping that we can bait them into staying loyal to the denomination. That's not what we're supposed to be about. What we're supposed to be doing is helping them identify their inherent gifts that are given by God, help connect them with other human beings who may have more experience, because a young person is simply a human with less adult experience, and an adult is someone who is a human that's still a beloved child of God who has more worldly experience. So when we segregate into our chronological um, age cohorts, generational cohorts, that's an artificial thing that our culture, U.S. culture, has caused to divide and market to people. And so please don't do youth ministry in a vacuum Mm -hmm. of just the teenagers. So whether you've got one or 100 in your local parish, make sure that every teenager knows the name of an adult who's not related to them, but who cares about them, who actually cares to know their name, their dreams, their struggles in appropriate ways. You know, there are boundaries that need to be recognized there. And youth group's not for every kid. So when I was doing parish ministry, there were some kids that never showed up for any youth group stuff that we did, but they came to the Christmas party every year because they were teenagers, and they showed up to Acolyte faithfully. Now and then I had young people who, well, I want to be in the choir. Well, we don't have a youth choir. Okay, then you get to be in the adult choir because that's the only one we have, and that's okay. And that happens during the same time as youth group. Sorry, you got to make a choice, and that's okay. So it really is. There's no one-size-fits-all. There, no, um, there is no formula for how to do youth ministry best. It's about being authentically, genuinely Christian and calling young people into how does, what does that look like for you? What do you want to learn? What more do you want to know? The other thing is it's really easy to feel isolated as a youth minister, whether you are one youth minister in a parish who may or may not have a regional or diocesan connectivity. Um, diocesan youth ministers have no peer. If you're a diocesan youth minister, the closest peer you have is in the next diocese that has one of those, and the diocese closest to you geographically may or may not have one of those identified. So finding ways to gather, and that's the piece about youth ministry too, it's about building community, where Jesus didn't call us to be um, followers of the way alone. Jesus said, two by two, you got this, you know, where two or three are gathered. It's not a, a Lone Ranger sort of thing. Sometimes you need a charismatic Lone Ranger to kind of be the catalyst for what's going on. I get accused of that now and then. Oh, she's like a Pied Piper. Um, and I've done that for seasons of my ministry. And that's where I hit burnout the fastest and get into a rut that's the most non-helpful. So I hope that local youth ministers will reach out, whether it's using digital media, person-to-person contact, whatever. Forma is a great place to find folks with the website. There's also a grassroots um, organization of diocesan youth workers that convene every fall. 
And, um, and we really do hold the space for people who are directly responsible to a bishop to come to that conference. But it doesn't matter if you're paid or not, as long as you are operating at that level. It's a place of collegial support, fellowship, deepening our ministries and learning new things. So before we wrap up, is there anything we're forgetting, anything you want to let people know about? Where can they find stuff? Episcopalchurch.org slash youth mm-hmm. is one way. Uh, Episcopal Youth Ministry on Facebook. When we're in event mode, we also light up Twitter and um, Instagram with Episco Youth. So those are the handles that people need to know to get connected in youth ministry in general. One other piece that um, the Office of Youth Ministry does that I'm particularly proud of that has also spun off, has not been something that's just contained, is general convention. Because there's a whole other aspect about the Episcopal Church, our governance and polity, and our um, gathering once every three years to do the business and policy setting and budget setting writ large, denomination-wide, right? And um, we, since 1982, also enacted legislation at that time that has now um, grown and deepened what is called the official youth presence at General Convention, which is literally only 18 young people. 18 out of the entire Episcopal Church enjoy the privilege of being seated on the floor in the House of Deputies and they have voice but no vote. So they get to participate in the legislative process of the church and help, um, they help set the bar really high in the House of Deputies about um, decorum and procedure and passion. And people listen to them. And many dioceses as a result of that legislation, which also encourages local dioceses to not only have youth in their diocesan level commissions and, and leadership bodies, but at the vestry level at the local parish. And a lot of people dismiss it because they think it's too hard because of safeguarding guidelines and so forth. Or they think um, legal things. If you're not 18, you can't and um, take on any fiduciary responsibility of contracts and so forth. There are ways to work on that. And I'm incredibly proud about how those 18 youth, two per province, um, navigate general convention, and then that is absolutely uh, being contagious so that that sort of thing is happening at many dioceses as well. So they come and they learn. We broadcast it as you know as loudly and proudly as we can in many different ways, and then people come back to my office and say, so Bronwyn, we're going to start doing a youth presence at our convention. Can you help us? And either I go in or I connect them with another diocese that's already done it well. It was really fun to see them, like as like as a part of like the Young Adult Festival, right. uh, to like watch to watch them um, just be in it and be in the mix and taking it all in. Um, but then also then saying like, "This is us." Um, and then especially watching them, I think watching them at the House of Bishops was um, even I think even more inspiring to me than even than uh, sitting in the uh, uh, oh my god the other house. House of Deputies. Yeah, House of Deputies. Um, but it was it was a lot of fun to like watch them um, really stand out. It's fun to see them surprised. They go to general convention thinking they know what their issues are, and I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to this and so forth. And we had some some young people that tracked every single day the legislation about to allow Cuba yes. to re-enter or not, and to see that that unfolded in the House of Deputies, like four rows in front of where I was seated, and watching our teenagers 
tearfully help welcome Cuba back to the house was incredibly powerful. And they didn't even know that was happening before we got to convention. And and who knew that teenagers would be passionate about that? But it also... Um, and, and some of them remained differentiated from that and focused on their issues that they wanted to track. Watching the young people who are trained about um, civil discourse and debate in this culture, what better training? Yes. You know, and that's what they get when they participate in the official youth presence is if you're going to go in and you want to change minds, you must also be open to having your mind and your heart changed. The spirits at work here. And uh, so that is, that's the thing as a political geek that I am. I love that process. And uh, EYE is amazing and takes a lot of energy and effort. But General Convention Official Youth Presence is the thing that I am totally, I nerd out on. Um, so sorry to go off on that. <laughs> but I think it has value. And it's not for everybody, just like I said before yeah. about youth group. Not everybody. Some young people discern their way onto that team. And then go, wow, this isn't what I thought it was. Why does the church have to behave this way? Yeah, this is not for me. And that's valuable, too. And and the group helps them yeah. uh, deal with that. That's it for this episode. If you like what you heard, uh, subscribe to us on your podcast app. Leave us a review. Send us a message. Let us know if there's something you want us to talk about. Um, would you close us in a prayer? I would love to close us in a prayer. God be with you. Awesome. 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 Let us pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for the creativity that you continue to bestow upon us. Please guide us, bless us, and call us into uncomfortable places. Remind us of those who need extra invitation. Keep us mindful of the needy. Keep us focused on justice. Help us to remember always to exercise mercy and to share your love with all whom we meet. In the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.